coachable person, meet Sean and Lacey. Maybe I hear you speak at an event or I listen to your podcast. I'm going to reach out and say, hey, Sean and Lacey, um, I've been learning from you and I wanted to reach out to say thank you. You've taught me three things through your podcast. Here's the three things that you've taught me and I've been working on these three things and it's made a difference in my business and in my life. So I'm reaching out to say thank you. And I also wanted to ask if you'd be willing to spend 15 minutes of your incredibly valuable time with me sometime in the next two or three months. If you say yes to that, I promise you I'll come prepared and I'll pay it forward. And finally, I want to give you permission to say no. If for whatever reason, it's just not a good time or that doesn't work in your schedule, I totally understand. I will be a raving fan of yours until the end of time. And I totally get it. Now, there's a much better chance yeah. that you're going to give that person time versus the person that just reaches out in a lazy way and says, can I pick your brain? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here. Just as we are each and every week, we have yet again another super exciting guest for you. People have been saying, when are you going to bring back the shorts? We got to bring back the short. I know, but we episodes. can't because we have too many exciting, know, amazing guests people that we want to bring on. Yeah, that so. we want to talk to, and today is no different. Yeah. Today, we are going to be talking to Jordan Montgomery, and I'm super fascinated by this because we're going to talk about, of course, business and, of course, you know, entrepreneurship and, and discipline and, and success, but Jordan also works with athletes, I know, and it's an great. interesting crossover there. Love to, to dive into that. And Some find of those out parallels, about right? About like mindset and athletes and entrepreneurship. Well, winning, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's some it's kind good of like stuff the, there. It's kind of like the stuff we do with Philip Stutz. Like I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Politics and marketing are the same thing. And, like, and I love that. And sports. <laughs> yes, and sports. <laughs> I'm interested to find out. Sports and business, the same thing. Or maybe not. Maybe he's going to say no. <laughs> we're way off. Jordan there. Montgomery, welcome to the program. Hey, Sean, Lacey, thanks for having me. Uh, honored to be with you. I've witnessed your work and I've followed your program and your show. And I'm just excited to be with you. So thanks for having me on. This is fun. So we always begin with a question. And um, it's just basically, you know, the gist of the question is, obviously, we're talking to you. We've been connected to you, which means that people in our sphere have told us Jordan's got great things to share. But... Our viewers, our listeners, every time that we start a podcast, they're like, who the heck is this guy? So I just say, like, <laughs> let's just cut straight to it. Tell us how you end up on the None of Your Business podcast. What makes you so special and why should people pay attention today? Well, that's a that's a good question. I don't know that there's anything that makes me like uniquely special or different, um, but I would say this. I've been really blessed to be around some amazing people. Um, God's provided opportunity. I had a career in the financial services business for a long time, pivoted through just extreme adversity at the age of 27. And through that adversity, found my calling in the work that I do today. And today I just get to serve and help people, um, get to develop relationships with athletes, salespeople, and entrepreneurs. 
We've been fortunate to work with some executive leaders at major companies, some athletes that are having extreme success, some salespeople that are knocking it out of the park. And I think if there's one thing that maybe I've done differently, or there's one thing that I'm proud of, um, it'd probably just be the, the, the learning through adversity, you know, asking questions, observing. I think one of the most powerful questions we could ask is what part of the problem is me. And so, um, the only thing that makes me worth listening to is I've, uh, made a lot of decisions. Um, I've, I've failed a lot. I've fallen short a lot. And, um, I guess I've also been able to get back up a lot. And so experience is an incredible teacher. And, um, you know, I'm happy to share my experience with the people around me. So you work with athletes. We've talked about that. I promise you we're not going to, sometimes that happens to us. We go on programs and and then like people are like, oh, you guys are chiropractors. And then it's just like the whole program ships. So I promise you yeah. we're not going <laughs> to make the program all about um, athletes, but you do have in your background, you've got a couple footballs, you've got a Green Bay Packers helmet. Mm -hmm. What is your background with athletes? Like, did you just like meet some athlete one day or were, were you, you were you an athlete yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I answer that, that last question first. So I uh, was an athlete all growing up. I've always been a major sports junkie. Um, I didn't go to school for sports psychology or, you know, athletic training, uh, but I always had a love for sports, but everything that I've learned has been applied. And so much of what we teach in sports, we teach in business. Mm -hmm. And it's really about developing the leader within. So when I think about leadership development, for me, it's about self-awareness, situational awareness, communication, building trust and rapport, building the brand the right way. It's teamwork, it's culture, it's connectedness. And so a lot of the work that we're doing with athletes, we're doing in the world of business. But the boardroom is not that different than the locker room when you start to break it down on what makes people great or what separates people you know, from good to great or what helps people to become elite. So today we're working with athletes at the college level, at the pro level, uh, primarily in the sports of basketball and football. Those are the two sports that I love. So not that we wouldn't help somebody outside of that world. I think it's just been a natural fit for us to stay in those two spaces. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I always you know, joke with people about this. You could work with the really successful boardroom of, of executive leaders at major companies. And I think people find that mildly interesting. You go spend time on a college football field and everybody wants to know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> and so I always joke that oftentimes the work in the boardroom is more difficult than the work on the football field. It always translates. Um, but I have a love and a passion for both. So I heard you say that you work on helping them develop like self-awareness. And one of the lines that you dropped right away that I absolutely love is that what part of the problem is me? And I think that's a really powerful line. And I don't think oftentimes, even working with entrepreneurs and coaching a lot of individuals, oftentimes people, when they're looking for a solution, they're not self-reflecting and looking at themselves. So can you expand on that a little bit? And how do you help people work on that component and overcome just looking outside versus looking inside? I think the reality is we all have blind spots. You know, most of us overestimate our awareness and we overestimate our ability to communicate. So we believe that self-awareness is the first step in growth and development. Mm -hmm. If we're working with an executive leader or an athlete or a coach or a salesperson, we spend a lot of time in this space. And I always joke, you know, the people that think they're really self-aware likely are the ones that have the most work to do, mm -hmm. right? I was working with an executive leader not so long ago, CEO of a major company. And um, you know, he said this to me in a coaching conversation. He said, you know, Jordan, I didn't really become self-aware until about 12 years ago. And um, I won't, I won't give you his name, but he's literally like one of the more, 
one of the least self-aware people that I know. <laughs> you know? And he thinks he's self-aware, which is his problem. You know, it's like crazy right. people, like crazy people don't know that they're crazy, which is what right. makes them crazy. Right. And so, you know, we got to work on this, right? All of us have blind spots. And apart from feedback and apart from systems and processes and coaching, um, we don't assess those blind spots. Mm. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. And most of us aren't eating enough of it. And so mm. we got to ask questions. We have to be very intentional in our pursuit of feedback and uh, learning from the people around us. But we certainly spend a lot of time on just helping people obsess, uh, assess those blind spots and really think about how they need to grow. Well, how do you assess that blind spot, for example, with that CEO? But here's what happened when you when you said that everybody like laughs. Maybe it was like a nervous laugh, an uncomfortable <laughs> laugh. <laughs> but then then you thought, well, what if that's me? How? Yeah. Do, because then because everybody thinks they're self-aware or well, most people do. But like, well, I, no, that I'm self-aware. How do you possibly so you assess blind that? Spots you don't even know. Do you, do you just have to have somebody that will be brutally honest with you? Or is there an exercise or some way that I might know if I'm not quite as self-aware as I should be? Well, I think there's an art to feedback, right? So most of us think that we are feedback oriented or you would say, yeah, I don't mind, you know, getting feedback or I don't mind having those conversations with others. Criticism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but here, okay. So here's the problem with the feedback conversation. So if I were to stop this conversation right now, right? Like we just stopped it. Time out for whatever reason, the episode's over and we have whatever it is, you know, five minutes to evaluate. And I just said, Hey, Sean and Lacey, will you give me some just real quick feedback on how I showed up today on your show? It would be ultra awkward if you were like, Hey Jordan, here's the four things that you need to fix. Right. <laughs> right. You would probably feel like you don't have the license to do that. Right. So what right. would you say? You'd be like, well, I don't want to offend this guy or make him feel weird. So you're going to be like, Hey man, like great job. You know, uh, you did well, appreciated your energy. Obviously it was only a five minute sample, but yeah, like we appreciate who you are. Thanks for being on the show. And I would be like, yeah, like they really liked me. I got some really great feedback. Like I'm glad that they think I'm awesome and I have good energy. And so I walk around all day long being reaffirmed, getting patted on the back and getting the proverbial fist pounds and high fives when the reality is it wasn't real feedback. Right. Mm. So if we're going to get real feedback, we have to understand that specific questions leads to specific answers. So if I really want feedback from the two of you, I'm not going to say, can I get some feedback? Can I get some feedback is one of the worst questions. It's almost impossible to respond to. It's super vague. And so I would need to say something like, hey, Sean and Lacey, one of the things that I'm working on is my pace and tonality. Mm -hmm. You know, Sometimes I have a tendency to talk too fast. And I'm really trying to slow that down. Would you mind giving me specific feedback on my pace and tonality as it relates to my communication? Okay, now you have an opportunity to give me real feedback because I gave you a license and you know what I want feedback on. So it's little stuff like that that goes a long way in helping someone grow in their self-awareness. The answers you get are only as good as the questions that you ask. Mm -hmm. And so as leaders, I think we have to do a better job of asking, not just for feedback, but asking specific questions that are going to solicit a specific response. Oh. This is this is a <laughs> this is a phenomenal conversation. And I have to tell you why. This is one of the most uncomfortable things that we ask our clients to do. Because and not for us, obviously, but for them, we always recommend that you should actually call the people that stopped doing business with you. 
and actually ask them a question and say, just like you said, Jordan, hey, I'm calling you because I know that you're no longer here in it in my office, let's say, and, and I'm really working on leveling up the experience and providing a better service. Would you mind telling me what I, what you feel like I could have done better or what you didn't like about the service? And people, people don't want to do it because they are scared to look in that mirror, right? Like they, they want to be reaffirmed and, and they struggle with that. So how do you help Mm -hmm. people overcome if the feedback is not what they wanted or it goes against what they love. How do you help them overcome that? So it can be constructive and they can grow from it. Yeah. I think it starts with separating the do from the who, Mm. you know, so if somebody gives you feedback, we have to have enough emotional intelligence to say, okay, they're not talking about who I am. They're talking about what I'm doing. And the best feedback is all around what you do. It's not really about who you are. Too many times we take feedback too personal. Yep. You know, or we're afraid to give it because we're afraid that it's going to be taken too personal. So if there's somebody listening to the podcast, if you're a leader and you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I need to start giving more feedback or asking for feedback. One of the foundational truths that I would tell you about that exercise is you have to separate the do from the who, you know, and then when you do get the hard feedback, lean into it. I think we all have a tendency to say, well, you know, that's bullshit. I don't agree with that. Yeah, you're dead wrong. I totally disagree, right? Are you right. telling somebody out? And and I think instead of that's bullshit, we need to say, tell me more. Like, help me mm-hmm. understand. Um, give me an example. And the reason that it's pissing us off, more often than not, the reason that it's striking a nerve is because there's some bit of truth packed into whatever feedback that we're receiving and we know it and we don't like it. And so we always tell people where there's tension, pay attention because Mm -hmm. those are the real learning opportunities. And there's probably something there that you need to hear. But if you tune somebody out or you say, I disagree, you're not going to get to the root of what they're really trying to say. Mm -hmm. I love it. I got to circle back because I want to just bring this back around. So on the football field, are we applying this same principle? Like, is this something that translates over on into, into your athletes? 100%. Self-awareness for an athlete is everything. How you're being experienced by your teammate, you know, your, your coaches, uh, even the fans, right? We, we talk about how you interact with the world around you. A connected team is a committed team. A committed team is a connected team. And so we're, we're working with teams all of the time on staying connected. And for an athlete, a communication strategy can look different than it looks for a salesperson. But at the end of the day, this is all about communication, connectivity, and and self-awareness. And so how you perform uh, is a direct result of how you connect with the world around you and how you communicate with others. And And that's especially true when you're playing a team sport. Go ahead. Well, what about in the boardroom then? Um, Because here's, here's a potential difference. Like you talked, you spoke about a CEO. What if, what if the CEO like in the example that you gave, I mean, we could even say hypothetically mm-hmm. is like saying, well, I'm super self-aware, but their, their mentor, their coach, or even their peers are like, not really. Um, how do, because there, that creates that tension. Yeah. How, how do we work around that? Because if one member of the team, so if the whole team is on board, but one member of the team is disconnected, what sort of strategies do you teach to help, help to reconnect the disconnected individual? Mm-hmm. I think you have to make uh, culture and and feedback go together. So we want to create a a culture of feedback, which means it happens all the time. So 
if you're a part of our organization, you understand feedback is just part of what we do. We do it all the time. We do it daily. If you're in this organization, you're going to get feedback. You're going to be asked to give it and you're going to get it and you're going to learn to give it and receive it well. So that, that one team member can't sit there on the outside and think, well, I don't do this or I'm not comfortable giving it or I'm not comfortable receiving it. You're kind of inviting them into a unique culture that does that all the time. We what if it's that- the boss? What if it's the boss? What if it's the boss, <laughs> if it's the coach, the CEO? That's the person who's not open to feedback. Right. Well, I, I think then it's an incumbent upon a team member, even if you're a younger team member, to share that with your boss, mm-hmm. right? And share it in a tactful and professional way. But the biggest myth in leadership is that you have to be in charge to lead. Mm-hmm. So if you're a young person listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, my boss needs to hear that. Well, then you need to find a tactful and professional way to share the truth. And truth trumps flattery. Your boss, the the person you're really scared to share that with might actually really respect you if you share the truth because guess what everybody else is doing with that boss? Patting them on the back, giving them high fives, giving them all kinds of positive praise. So when you're the person that approaches them tactfully and professionally pulls them aside and say, hey, I could be dead wrong. This might just be my observation, but I want to share this with you out of a spirit of love and care that one of the things I think you could work on is your willingness to receive feedback from the world around you. Now, the the timing of that matters, you know, when you do that matters, how you do that matters. So if you're going to do that, you you might ask for some advice and feedback from some people that have done that before, because you could also really screw that up, right? If you're a brand new team member, you you, maybe you get fired if you do that the wrong way. Right. But if you do that the right way, I think the the boss or the leader might say, well, shit, nobody's said that to me before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the more successful you become, The amount of people willing to share the truth with you, and you guys know this, right? In light of your success is so small. It's smaller, yeah. So small. So that's why with the boss, with the high-level leader, truth trumps flattery. Mm. Mm -hmm. They don't have many people around them willing to share the truth. So when you're willing to do it, you're really going to stand out as long as you do it tactfully and professionally. I have another one though, and this is going all over the board, but this came to mind because we, we just recently did a podcast where we talked about um, standing for something, mm-hmm. right? And standing for something difficult. This happens on teams, at, on, on, on sports teams, also happens with companies. And it, we're living in a time when there's a lot of social issues. Mm-hmm. So what if I'm a part of a company or I'm a part of a team and I feel like this certain social issue is important, whether it's racism, equality, and I want the team or the business or the brand to express a position or the organization. Um, how ha, Have you ever had to deal with that? Because again, that can create some tension. Maybe the leadership is saying, that's not what this organization is about. We're playing football. We're not trying to you know, make a, make a political statement. Other times they do make a political statement. I'm not sure that there's a right or wrong, but what it can do is cause individual tension inside of a team. Any thoughts on how to address that? Alignment of values is critically important. So if you're a part of an organization, you need to ask yourself, do I stand for what this organization stands for? And if the answer is no, are you willing to tolerate the difference? And if you're not willing to tolerate the difference, then you have to find another organization. And if you're leading and you really want to stand for something, then you have to ask yourself the question, if people leave, am I willing to tolerate that? Can I tolerate the difference? Can I I accept the fact that not everybody will move with us if if this is something that we stand for? 
And so I think alignment of values, like we tell people when you hire, like hire first based on values, Mm -hmm. you know, you can figure out the role and you can figure, you could teach people something. um, But you really want to test for values first. In, In other words, is this somebody that I could invite over for dinner? You know, would I allow them to, to be around my family? Um, could I trust them with important topics and important conversations? So the good news is there's a lot of opportunity in this world. If you're a part of an organization right now and you're like, I just cannot move forward based on my difference in value with this organization, then find another organization, find another team. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not telling you to be disloyal, but like if it really doesn't sit well with you at a heart level or at a gut level and you're showing up every day and being asked to stand for something that you don't stand for, have enough courage to walk away and partner with people that share the same values. It's great. It's great advice and great insight. I love that. Okay. So my next question is now we talk about self-awareness and we talk about feedback and you can get a lot of feedback and you can have a lot of self-awareness. But if you do nothing with it, you're never going to move forward. And execution is the death of so many businesses and so many individuals. So how do you, how do you help people get motivated to actually execute and, and take these things to the next step? I love that question. That's an awesome question. I'm, I'm going to turn this question back to you all because I want to okay. know how you're about this in your world. Um, here's what I found interesting in working with a lot of salespeople specifically. So in our world, we work with a lot of real estate agents, financial advisors. And here's what we find with the average real estate agent and financial advisor. When it comes to the way that they communicate and connect, very few salespeople practice. Mm. Very few salespeople are spending time in execution before they actually have to execute. Mm. So you think about like athletes practice, musicians practice, performers practice. Why don't salespeople practice? Right. I mean, if you're if you're going into a really big meeting to close a really big deal or you're dealing with a patient or you're trying to close an account. Well, you, you have to have lived there right. many, many times before the actual moment happens. And so Robin Sharma, I think famously said, everything happens twice, first in the mind, then in reality. Mm-hmm. And I would even go a step further. I, I would say, if you're going to close the big deal, I hope that deal has happened in, in a dark room in your own house or in your own office when nobody else is around and you're practicing out loud and you're reciting what you're going to say and you're preparing for all the things that might be thrown at you and all the objections and all the things that you know, that the client might say, and I just think for whatever reason, salespeople don't live there. They don't, they don't practice. And so, um, to me, you know, I just, I just say, you know, execution has to do with what you do when nobody else is around. And I think, you know, somebody said this the other day that the average NFL athlete that starts only really performs less than three hours whistle to whistle per Mm -hmm. season. Wow. Wow. So think about that, right? Amazing. Whistle to whistle less than three hours. However, they spend the entire year practicing, planning to execute for those three hours. Mm. And so I think that's a great model for you know preparing to execute. Uh, but I'm gonna throw this back to you guys, Sean and Lacey. What 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 do you think about you know how well, do you execute well? well, well, well I was gonna say first, first before of, you answer that. Yeah, for, I love that. First of all, let me Are speak on that. Um, no, I'm not. Oh, okay, I, I, I because I love I love this um, yeah, concept of practice, and I love that you're bringing it up. Sales, absolutely. You want to blow your mind? Um, go yeah. to your dentist and ask them how much they practice. <laughs> like that's crazy, right? Like ask your surgeon how many times have you practiced this, and what they'll say is like, you know, oh, I've already I've done thousands of these procedures. Yeah. 
That's like saying I've played in thousands of games. And, and, and you just said, that's not, what, that's not what matters. It's not what counts. What matters is how much practice you have. Before, if, if you're doing a procedure in, you know, on my teeth, a root canal, what matters is not how many times you've done a root canal, but how much practice. You may have, may have only done four root canals in your life, but you have years of practice, right? Mm -hmm. I always say this for all of our service providers. Like, so yes, sales is one. But anything you do, you know what we get, we, we, we agree with the analogy. Like, yeah, in sports, for sure, you've got to practice a lot. And golf is one. I'm passionate about golf. You have to practice way more than you play. Mm. But what about your business? Business is exactly the same. And I get beat up a lot for that because people yeah. are like, oh, like you've got to show. And I'll tell you another thing that's important is warm up. Right. You, you, you know, NFL players will just like run out on the field and start playing <laughs> They're there. And golf is the same way. They're there hours before. There's a lot of preparation, mental and physical, that goes into execution. So I would even ask my dentist. So what's the warm up process for you before hands. you do my root canal or my crown or whatever? Because if it's like, no, I just came from Applebee's and I come rolling in and I do this. I don't want that. I don't want you to do that. I mean, same thing for anything, insurance, financial planning. What's the process that gets you to where you execute? Because I agree. That's why I love this idea, the analogy between sports and execution. Well, it made me think of our chiropractic mentor. He used to always say, act as if. And people hear that statement and they think that you mean act as if you already have tons of money. But that's not what we're talking about. He would say, act as if your book of patience was already full. So even when you're brand new and you aren't seeing anybody, you go into the office and you shake hands and take, take that person from the front door onto the table and act like you've treated them. You act as if yes. you already have a full book of business and then you're living it and you're executing it before you actually get there. And yeah, so you that's do, exactly you do what sales pitches in your basement. Yeah. If you're a realtor, you do showings to nobody. To nobody. And yes. your, 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 your other agent's like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm practicing doing right. showings. I'm practicing. I'm driving from house to house. I'm getting a feel for what that rhythm looks like. And I'm talking to invisible people so that I get used to the lexicon, the rhythm, the flow, the pacing, the tone, all of that is super important. People always say practice makes perfect. No, practice produces. Yeah. That's what. Yes, come right? on. That's so, good. Yeah, yeah, so good. I think the point is we have to be executing before we actually execute. Right. Yes, that's the point, right? It. So back to your whole comment about knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. You're going to apply your knowledge. Make sure that you're working on it well before it actually matters and you have to execute. So yep. um, Lacey, awesome, awesome question. So here's what's happening. People are like, this is great. Um, and, and, and then, but now they're thinking this. They're like, all right, so I like this guy, Jordan. I wonder if he could help me. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's listening or watching, because and this is the danger and I get it. This is, this is the danger of saying like you work with, you know, um, athletes, football, basketball. Then you have somebody who's like, all right, this is awesome. I love this guy, but I'm not an athlete. So who is the person that is listening right now, speak to them, tell, tell them if you, if you are this, then you need to be talking to Jordan Montgomery. Well, I think it's somebody who wants to grow. If, if you want to grow and you want to be better in, in all areas of life, uh, physically, spiritually, financially, professionally, personally, then you're probably a good fit, you know, to work with somebody on our team. 
Um, and, and I don't, I don't say that to sound like real macro. Um, like we have a niche and we're, we're obviously better with certain people. I, I would tell you that, um, those who work in the people business are naturally a better fit. Like, you know, I, I probably don't work as well with a really introverted engineer. Uh, I'm probably more oriented to work with a salesperson. Uh, but that said, we, there's a group of physician clients that we work with. Um, they're surgeons. Uh, we have a great time working with those folks. It's a lot of mindset training, a lot of mental toughness type stuff. Um, but we also work, yeah, with, with executive leaders, athletes, salespeople from multiple industries. I think if somebody says, I want to be better in my life, in all areas, there's probably a spot for you working with somebody on our team. Uh, if you want to grow and develop and be a better version of you. This is not a test, <laughs> but it is a little bit. That sounds expensive. You work with surgeons and CEOs, man. What if um, I'm thinking, man, and I'm just playing devil's advocate for you, Jordan. So I'm thinking like, man, I really want to work with this guy or someone on the team, but, and it really does sound like it's, it's expensive. This guy works with ultra successful people. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to the young person who's listening, who's thinking what you just said, Sean, like, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources to hire a coach, by the way, whether it's somebody on our team or anybody else. Um, here's what I would tell you. There's a difference between being coachable and teachable. Mm. And I think it's really important to understand the difference. So one of the big misnomers about hiring a coach is you have to pay for it. And as a young person, I got a lot of coaching that I did not pay for, but mm. I was very strategic in how I got time and how I created the learning opportunity. So here's what I see a, a lot of young people do. And by the way, if you're listening and you're doing this, like you can change this tomorrow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're feeling convicted as I share this. And, and by the way, I did this before I kind of figured it out. I was guilty, but I would run across somebody like Sean and Lacey. Maybe I'd meet you at an event right here. You speak, or I listen to your podcast. I'm like, wow, I'd love to learn from Sean and Lacey. And so what I do as a young person and all of my wisdom, because I don't have a lot of experiences, I send Sean and Lacey an email. Somehow I get your contact info and I send you an email or I send you a DM on Instagram. And I say, Sean and Lacey, you guys are awesome. I'd love to learn from you. Could we schedule 30 minutes so I could pick your brain? Mm. And you probably respond with something like, hey, thanks for reaching out. It's a really busy season. We don't have tons of time, but here's a resource, right? Or maybe, you know, once in a while you give that person time. But I know how impactful the two of you are and how many people you're influencing. And I know that you just don't sit around and respond to DMs and emails and jump on free phone calls to give people free advice, right? You can do that once in a while, but you can't do that all day, every day. Right. So if that's the truth about busy people who are impactful, then we have to be more strategic in how we approach them, mm -hmm. okay? So by the way, this is the difference of being teachable and coachable, okay? That's what the teachable person does. So I, I reached out. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I'm not being really strategic. I, that means I'm willing to learn, but I'm not really willing to be coached. Coachable person does this. Okay. Here's the difference. Coachable person meets Sean and Lacey. Maybe I hear you speak at an event or I listen to your podcast. I'm going to reach out and say, Hey, Sean and Lacey, um, I've been learning from you. And I wanted to reach out to say, thank you. You've taught me three things through your podcast. Here's the three things that you've taught me. And I've been working on these three things and it's made a difference in my business and in my life. So I'm reaching out to say thank you. And I also wanted to ask if you'd be willing to spend 15 minutes of your incredibly valuable time with me sometime in the next two or three months. If you say yes to that, I promise you I'll come prepared and I'll pay it forward. And finally, I want to give you permission to say no. If for whatever reason, it's just not a good time or that doesn't work in your schedule, I totally understand. 
I will be a raving fan of yours until the end of time. And I totally get it. Now there's a much better chance yeah. that you're going to give that person time versus the person that just reaches out in a lazy way and says, can I pick your brain? I was just thinking, I would probably say, yes, I can find time for you in the next couple of months. Let me hand you over to Luke to look at my schedule because that was such a well-crafted email. And the fact that I already knew that you were engaging with my content and you were being actionable on it and utilizing it makes me want to help you more, right? I mean, that's just, that's great. That's great advice. Well, I, I know we're up against it, but I got to, because I, I, I get this all the time. I get this all the time. Sean, that sounds great. Jordan, that sounds great. But I don't know what to ask. So here's the thing. I got, what if I get Jordan on the phone oh, right. for 15 minutes? And then, then, like, what, do I then say? what am I going to say? Jordan, I'd like to have a million dollars. Like, I don't know what to what ask. What do I do? Help, help, help <laughs> yeah. me figure out what the appropriate ask would be. Obviously, this in this first instance, I'm, I'm asking for a phone call. But then, then what do I do? Because there's going to be a, probably a degree of like starstruck. Um, wow, I can't believe I'm talking to Jordan. And help me craft what my ask should right. be when I'm going to finally get to speak to you. Uh, we got to be really specific. That'd be my advice to a young person that's having that conversation. Make sure you're ultra specific in whatever you're asking. And also ask questions that really activate someone's mental capacity. So mm -hmm. here's, a, here's a question that's not so great. Hey, Sean, tell me about your background. Hey, Sean, tell me about your story. Hey, Sean, how did you get to where you're at today? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, those questions kind of suck. Here's why they suck. <laughs> Sean's responded to that question literally thousands of times over, right? If I say, Hey, Lacey, um, how'd you get your start? Okay. Right. You've just responded to that so many times. It's not, that doesn't activate your brain. You're not going to remember that conversation. If I say, Hey, Lacey, I'm really curious about the correlation between failure and success, but I've learned with a lot of successful people as they've had great failure in their life and they've learned from it. Would you mind just sharing with me maybe a time that you failed and how you learned from your failure? Mm -hmm. How has failure shaped your life? Right. Or I might say, Hey Lacey, I'm thinking about adventure and experience. I'm trying to push myself and do more than I've ever done before. Um, what are some of the things that you've done that have allowed you to be successful? What are the actionable steps that you've taken? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got that there's this, it's Maxwell seven. You can look it up. There's seven questions. I know this is recorded, so I'm going to go through this fast. You can go back and, and listen to it again. Hopefully if you listen to this, um, but seven questions real quick, these are great questions. If you're asking a coach or a mentor, um, number one is what is the greatest lesson that you've ever learned? Number two is what are you learning right now? Number three is how has failure shaped your life? Number four prospecting question. Who do you know that I should know? Number five, what have you done that I should do? Number seven, what have you, or six, what have you read that I should read? And number seven is how can I add value to you? So those are seven quick questions that you could ask to somebody on that phone call. They're specific. They solicit interesting and engaging conversation. They activate somebody's brain. Somebody's much more likely to remember you if you engage in an interesting conversation versus asking them rhetorical questions that, uh, they've answered thousands of times before. Yep. So we do a lot of work with John Rulin and giftology, relationship building. And when we're teaching or talking about John, we always say like, okay, but don't do that to us, right? We're right. going to teach you. <laughs> so, so, so now the same thing. So now you've put yourself in that position, Jordan, uh, that people are like, great. This is awesome. I'm going to write Jordan and, and, and email. 
how do people get in touch with you if they want to give it a shot and they want to <laughs> see if they can actually pull it off? Okay. So I love that. That That is, Hey, that's awesome. Self-awareness. Thank you. I do think about that from time to time. I'm like, man, I just set myself up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll also say this. So we follow the do for one, what you wish you could do for many principle. The reality is it is impossible, right? It just is. And you guys know that you cannot respond to every email. You can't respond to every DM. I wish that I could, right? I wish that personally I could give everybody 30 minutes to an hour. I just can't. But what I can do is I can do for one, what I wish I could do for many. So what I'm committed to is every day I'll respond to at least one, sometimes multiple, but at least one, either email or DM and I'll engage in meaningful conversation or set up 10 or 15 minutes to talk over the phone. So I do that every day. It's a daily discipline. It's part of how I deal with um, service and giving back. And there's some days where I'll do it. You know, if I got a lighter day, I'll respond to three of those messages or four of those messages. Um, I can't respond to all of them, but um, in the same way, if you reach out to the two of you, you know, you can't respond to all of that stuff, but you're going to respond to some people. Um, and I'm likely to like throw you a quick message back. I just, I might not respond to all of your questions is my point, but I'm going to do everything I can to address all of those messages um, to be really personal, uh, personable. And here's the other thing. Anybody that says this drives me crazy. Anybody that says, oh yeah, I respond to every one of my messages. I'll help anybody who asks. I'll get on a phone call with everyone. Like that's just not true. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just false. Like no, you're going to disappoint somebody. Come on. Yeah, you can't do that. And by the way, if you are doing that, you're probably sacrificing like your family or some really right. important relationships with clients <laughs> that you need to be serving. So the next time you hear somebody say that, challenge them on that. Cause it's not true. You just can't. Right. Right. And by the way, I don't want to have a bunch of one minute conversations. I'm not into that. I want to help somebody in a real way who needs the help. Um, and the only way that I can do that is to engage in real conversations. So I hope that's helpful for some people listening. If you reach out, I'm going to do everything I can to respond to you in a meaningful way. Perfect. The website is montgomerycompanies.com. Montgomerycompanies.com. There you'll find all kinds of cool stuff that's going on in Jordan's world. Um, tons of opportunities there to interact with them, um, to listen to some of the podcast information that he's been sharing with his uh, with his audience. Um, jump on there, find out more about what he's doing, engage with him. And here's the other part of that too. I just want to add, absolutely 100%, it is impossible to respond to every single inquiry. Yeah. But here's what I've also learned um, you know, recently we've learned, we've been doing a lot of work and in, in over this past year with Dave Meltzer, um, we had him speak at our event in the summer. He and I made a, a bet um, based off of the same um, concept mm -hmm. because, you know, David is very um, open. Like he gives his cell phone. It's his actual, it's his cell it's phone, his number, um, yeah. gives his email out. And I was asking about that. And I was like, man, I'd be kind of afraid to do that on stage. Like, you know, you're going to get all these texts and phone calls. And he said, Sean, I've done this in front of, you know, groups of thousands of people. The most I've ever gotten was eight. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I said, watch, do it to our group. You'll get way more than eight. In fact, I'll make a bet. And we won, um, but I did tell the audience that we had a bet. So, I needed yeah, them to actually engage. But here's the thing, too. If you listen to the podcast, Jordan is extremely inspiring. I mean, you you hear him talk and you're like, man, I really resonate with that guy. Here's the worst thing that you could do is say, yeah, but I don't think you respond to me. And so, you know what? I'll just yeah, I'll just leave it and not and do. not do like you need to take action. And I think that somehow energetically too. those are the messages, the text, the DMs 
that draw a response. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like this person is in need. They're coming from a place of, of, of heart, they're heart centered and they're sharing with you and they've done it properly. They've done it in a way um, that makes sense and is respectful of, of you and your time. So look, while yes, he's given you the formula, Yes, you should follow it. Yep. No, he can't respond to all of them. <laughs> but yes, you should reach out because the worst thing that you could do is say I was inspired and I didn't do anything about it. Yep, I agree. Jordan, thanks for coming yeah. on the podcast. Sean, you're awesome. And I'll, I'll leave your audience with this. You know, oftentimes the question matches the response. So mm-hmm. my commitment is if somebody reaches out and they are thoughtful and engaging and you can you can tell they're coming from a place of thoughtfulness in, in need. I will absolutely engage in a meaningful way. If you send me a DM and you say, hey, can I pick your brain? Um, you know, that will look different. It just will. Yep. <laughs> but I'll respond. I'll still respond. I will absolutely acknowledge the DM or the email. And I would love to be helpful in any way that I can be. So um, for anybody listening, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage with you and help you in any way that I can. Sean and Lacey, you two are rock stars. Awesome podcast hosts. I do this a lot. I will go as far as to say you're two of the best podcast hosts that I've ever interacted with. So keep doing what you're doing. If you're listening, keep participating in the None of Your Business podcast. I'm going to get a bunch of people in our community to engage with your content and the work that you're doing um, because y'all are first class in every way. And I appreciate who you are. So thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Super awesome. Anything else to add? No. All right, everybody. Next week, we're going to do it again. We'll be back with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review. Tell your friends about this podcast, this one, especially this one. A lot of people can really benefit from hearing Jordan and his message. We'll be back again next week.